Welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast. On this week's show, our beloved galaxy far, far away is about to have some daddy issues. <laughs> We're about to be introduced to a new mutant in the MCU. Avatar shows no signs of box office fatigue. We get an infectious new trailer to celebrate Outbreak Day. And holy snicked, does Ryan Reynolds have an announcement for you. So join us as we discuss all this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hello, my name is Kev, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geekcentric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys and collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. We're back with another edition of This Week in Geek, where we look at all the latest news and trailers from the Geekiverse. Of course, I can't do this alone. Joining me on the show, there are a couple of guys who might not be tall, blue, and thin, but when I get to talk about entertainment with them, it's always a win. Darcy, Nate, how are we doing on this fine evening? I see you, Kevin. I see you. Can I take my hair braid and shove it up your your butt? Oh, no. Okay, that... hold on. Why'd you go right there? Why is what? it the first thing you went that's, to? I'm just saying that's what they do in that movie. Happy, I will let uh, you happy. Ride around for, without the plugging in part. Okay. Okay. Would you plug your Would you plug your Would you plug your braid into the back of a? Ho- Anyways, I am excited for 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 that movie. Um, we'll talk about the 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 first one's re release. Um, Endure and survive. Happy Last of Us Day to both of you and to everyone listening who celebrates um obviously uh it's a very near and dear holiday and i'm so happy with what we got we got well, neil we, Druckmann, we, and you know they came out and we're like we got a good present for you and then dude let's yeah go. we've got let's we've go. got something pretty awesome to uh, celebrate the event with that we will get to a little bit later uh now obviously sometimes there are things more important than movies and tv uh, hard to believe i know but uh right now hurricane fiona is wreaking havoc mm on the eastern seaboard, uh, which includes most recently eastern Canada, feeling those effects. Nate, you live out in the Halifax area, uh, so I just want to check in with you for all of our listeners uh, to make sure you're doing all right. How are things going? Uh, you guys you guys hanging in there? I know you, were, you had lost power uh, mm-hmm. for a time there, but given that you're joining us and here to talk, uh, obviously things have I- improved slightly. Yeah, boots on the ground here. Uh, out in Halifax, uh, I feel like I should be outside with like a like a weather reporter, <laughs> like microphone and everything, um, and like a, just a, the most yellow raincoat, you know, little old fisherman's raincoat. Um, you know what? It's it's one of those things. I I, I went back to work today, and everyone uh, insanely busy at work, and and so many people still without uh, power. Uh, across the province and and especially um, in places like PEI, I know we're really really hit hard. A lot of folks don't even. I think that whole island doesn't have anything any power right now. Um, you know, I think for me it was yeah disconnecting at times was at first it was nice. It was nice to disconnect from the world and not have any internet and and kind of that sort of thing. But at the same time. Uh, not having any power. Uh, our water here runs on a well that runs through electricity, and that didn't work uh, for those uh, two days. And it felt like a week had gone by, and like nighttime would hit, like at around six or seven, and you're like, "I guess I'm just gonna go to bed now." Like I don't know what else to do, <laughs> to do, and like your sense of time is all over the place. But I will say, for as 
as rough as it felt the moment I got even a little bit of signal to my phone and I was able to connect with the outside world and see just how, um, unfortunately, how terrible it's hit uh, other parts of the province, you know, outside of where I live. Um, it definitely reset your your mind of sort of just being like, cool, yeah, first world problems, no Wi-Fi, no, you know, no water, but you have a safe house and, you know, your your trees aren't falling all over your house and your house isn't being taken out to Swept sea. Swept into the ocean. Yeah. We saw houses um, removed uh, from land into sea and unfortunately... It was. It's not a good scene. Um, so, so yeah. So obviously, you know, we're 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 hoping for for the best for everyone across the province, and hoping for everyone. Um, you know, again, as I said, on PEI and everyone just affected by the hurricane. Um, but yeah, apparently, from what I heard, this one wasn't as bad as Hurricane Dorian, which was uh, in 2019, or Hurricane Juan, which came before that. Apparently, that was like the worst one. Um, but uh, I did, I, you know, on a lighter note, Kevin, really quick, I will just say I learned what storm chips were. So my, my cousin messages me and she's like, hey, do you, you got your storm chips ready? And I'll just say this, the, the, the Atlantic Canadian things that I'm learning in my first year of being here, just some really intriguing. First, we had Donaire's. Which, Donaire, if you don't know, it's a shaved meat, I guess. And they put it on everything, dude. Donaire pizza <laughs> is huge. There's Donaire spring rolls at the Chinese food places here. It's insane. And it's it's fine. It's no offense to people who love Donaires. I, I don't want to offend the province that I live in. But I will just say, they're, 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 when done right, Donaires are good. Anyways, storm chips. My cousin's like, yo, do you have your storm chips ready? And in my mind, I think to myself, well, I'm going to have to stop by the hardware store, pick up some storm chips and put them in my garden to absorb all the water. I'm sure that's what that is. No. No. Storm chips are chips, branded storm chips. And they're a bag of chips with a bunch of flavors in the same bag. And apparently they've gone crazy here for storm chips. Whenever there's a big storm, everyone goes and buys their storm chips. And I'm like, what the heck is, who are these people? Anyways, um, so I learned what storm chips were. Now you know too. Hey, that's what we do here on the Geek Centric Podcast. We educate <laughs> and inform. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. I like that. Hey, anything that makes you feel a little better when it gets a little scary outside, you know, I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not gonna question that sort of totally. thing. Uh, now I will say it's been a, a while since we've done a traditional this week in geek. So hopefully I remember how this goes. Uh, I believe we always start off with a little bit of the news. It's all about the details. All right, our first story comes from Safiya Kazi at Collider. The Avatar re-release secures $6 million in its opening weekend at IMAX box office. In case you didn't know, the 2009 sci-fi epic has been remastered in stunning 4K for its return to the biggest screen around. James Cameron's groundbreaking Avatar has proven it's still as triumphant as ever, bringing in $6 million at the IMAX global box office. The 2009 film, which has been re-released again in sensational 4K HDR, took home a remarkable 20% of the worldwide weekend total. Uh, clearly showing no signs of slowing down after 13 years away from the big screens, uh, other than a few uh, re-releases here and there. These always seem to do really, really well. The sci-fi epic, which made history for its usage of striking 3D technology and special effects, tells the story of ex-Marine Jake Sully, played by Sam Worthington, 
on his journey to discover the alternate universe Pandora, in which he falls madly in love with uh, their way of life and one particular inhabitant, Natiri, who's played by Zoe Saldana. Uh, and there's a lot of plugging in of tales in case you were one of the few people around the world who've never seen the movie and didn't quite get what <laughs> Nate was referencing earlier <laughs> on. Uh, North America made up a noteworthy 29% of the film's domestic success, securing about $2.9 million from 386 screens. Uh, this is obviously a good sign for the franchise with Avatar The Way of Water hitting theaters in December. Uh, so, guys, I wanted to know, are you surprised by this ret- triumphant return to theaters? Uh, and do you plan on revisiting Pandora with the original Avatar movie in theaters before the sequel comes out? Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, before getting to experience the world of Pandora at, uh, at Disney uh, for the first time, uh, I think that was the last time that I rewatched avatar uh, on the plane um and well i don't think narratively the movie was ever uh incredibly original uh i do think that for what they did the world that they crafted around the story uh is absolutely original and i'm a big giant dork and i i would buy like i bought the lore book for this that had all the different creatures and the fauna and the flora uh, in the world of Pandora. And I don't remember a single thing of it now. Um, but I, I do remember, you know, reading that book on the toilet and it was a great time. Um, but I will say I I did have plans to go and back and revisit the, uh, the original, um, but there was a hurricane, so I couldn't go. Uh, <laughs> again, first world problem here. Not the biggest issue. I, I do plan on, on securing another ticket uh, and contributing to this incredible re-releases uh, success. I think more movies should do this, by the way. I think the, the remastered, and I'm not talking about the idea of like the George Lucas let's add stuff to the movie sort of remaster, but like the, the ability to up the 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 look of the movie keeping it in tone with sort of the sequels that have you know these we're talking about legacy sequels like we we just reviewed Hocus Pocus 2 and obviously you know visually they're they're able to make that look like the old one but I'm just saying like for a lot of movies that do rely on you know more CG heavy stuff to have them go back and say hey we're gonna celebrate the anniversary of this and and re-release it with this sort of almost like what they do for video games right like you know, we're going to be talking about The Last of Us, but The Last of Us has been remastered now twice, right? And so we, with with the PS5 version recently coming out, like, I don't, I don't get why they. I get that there's obviously money involved, but I'm sure some of these bigger studios can pull it off. And I'm wondering if, based off of this, if we're going to start to see more of these re-releases, but with like the the updated look to them, the remaster. I don't know. I think that'd be really cool. Um, I'm stoked to get back into the world of Pandora. Um, I'm very intrigued to see what the sequel is going to be like, but I, I do want to go back and, and, and rewatch this for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm totally behind them taking it off, uh, streaming services oh, in, yeah. uh, in the lead up to this, uh, re-release because I mean, I saw it three times in theaters when it first came out. I loved it all then. I, I know it's remastered and it's probably going to look incredible, but I feel like I, if I wanted to rewatch it, I would rather rewatch it in the comfort of my own home where I've gotten used to watching stuff, especially mm-hmm. over the last three years. I have, I've really updated my movie viewing experience at home. So I, I, 
much prefer that comfort considering I've already seen the movie. But I mean, I'm not surprised that it's drawing this, uh, this crowd again, because even when it first came out, the whole thing was that you had to see it in theaters. And again, the story is not original, but it looks incredible. And it was always about how it moved forward in that regard. So I totally get why people want to go back and, and relive that experience for sure. Yeah. I, again, I, I, I'm upset that James Cameron, you know, f- almost in a way because of how well the original movie did, almost forced the entire industry to just release everything in 3D that didn't need to be in 3D. <laughs> like we're talking romantic comedies were coming out in 3D and you're like, I don't need to see this in 3D. But this is one that, again, given the choice, I will see in 3D and I will see the sequel in 3D. I think what they did with the 3D in the original movie was stellar. It, it, it Being at the Land of Pandora in Disney and having these little f- wispy lights floating around. I'm like, that's like in the movie. Like I had little wispy lights floating around and I don't take I don't partake in some of the, you know, the the the. Uh, extracurricular activities that some of these boys do before they watch a movie. But <laughs> but I will say it definitely, it was magical. And so to, to have that experience again in the theaters and to have that experience as sort of like, you know, James Cameron's very purposeful. He's saying, I if you're going to experience this for the first time, I don't want you watching it on Disney Plus. I want you seeing it in the theater with these with the work that this team has done with this movie in full 3D to get the same experience. And again, as you said, for folks who are nostalgic for it, which I will, which I am, and, and will be, um, I'm excited to see it again in 3D. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying though. Limiting the audience at the same time a little a little rough. I would have just said, you know what, you're going to get the lesser version on Disney Plus and the better version in theaters, and then we're going to replace the Disney Plus version with the new one when we choose to re-release that, and I hope they do. Uh, I'm sure they will. But, um, but yeah, I, I kind of get where you're coming from there as well, Darcy. Yeah, I, I definitely think the, the, the choice should be left up to the viewer, especially for people who, like you said, Darcy, have seen it three times. You've, you've contributed to the, the box office of this movie enough that you shouldn't be forced to do it again. That, I myself, I've only ever seen the movie once. I saw it in IMAX. It's the best 3D I've ever seen in a, in a movie to this day. Never seen anything like it. And so for that reason, I would like to go see it one more time in IMAX, refresh myself on all the characters and the story, and get myself ready for the sequel. But no, I think you're absolutely right, Darce. It, it, it should be a choice left up to the viewer. Now, news story is about a movie that we will definitely be seeing in theaters. Uh, this comes from Cooper Hood at Screen Rant. Black Panther Wakanda Forever star Tainich Wirta confirms that Namor is a mutant, just as he is in the comics. This one won't come as a surprise to comic readers, but it is exciting news for any MCU fan who are excited to see how the mutants will be worked into the existing MCU. After over four years of waiting for another Black Panther movie, the MCU is only a few weeks away from releasing the highly anticipated follow-up. One of the most exciting aspects of the film for many is the inclusion of Namor the Submariner as the villain. The underwater ruler was long theorized to be a perfect villain for Black Panther 2, but it was not until the debut of the first trailer at San Diego Comic-Con 2022 that audiences got a look at the half-mutant, half-Atlantean. MCU Phase 4 has been busy laying the foundation for the X-Men's introduction by including several mutants. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness featured Patrick Stewart's Professor X thanks to the multiverse. Meanwhile, Miss Marvel's finale included a huge twist that revealed Kamala Khan is a mutant too. 
These teases put a lot of attention on Tanak's role in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, as they could mean Namor's mutant connections from the comics would be included. During an interview with Empire to promote the upcoming sequel, Tana swore to confirm to the outlet that despite some changes to the MCU's version of the villain, Namor is a mutant in Black Panther. The outlet notes one detail that is carrying over from the comics. According to Huerta, his Namor is indeed a mutant. The distinction came as part of the confirmation that the MCU's Namor is inspired by the history of Mesoamerica, which includes changing Atlantis's name to Talokan. Uh, Namor being a mutant in the MCU would, could be a very big deal for Black Panther Wakanda forever and beyond. Although Namor is not always identified for his mutant DNA, it is a key aspect of the background uh, of his background in the comics. He's even known as Marvel's first mutant, a title that could be retained in the MCU, even if he is the second to be featured on Earth 616. Uh, so, Darce, as our resident Marvel expert, I wanted to start with you. Uh, despite some minor changes to the character, do you feel like Namor will be properly represented in the MCU given this information? A hundred percent. Him being half mutant is integral to his his storyline and, and background in the comics. So the fact that we got that confirmation means that they are definitely going to be they looked at that source material and are taking it to heart in terms of building this character. Uh, I'm excited because, I mean, even if uh, listeners are paying attention to our She-Hulk Watch Club, I'm constantly going on about how I want mutants and they keep referencing mutants and they're trying to build up this thing that mutants have always existed in the MCU. They've just never come to the forefront. So, again, I feel like this confirmation is going to be uh, even giving us a, 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 some sight into what it would look like for a mutant in hiding through uh, Namor's character. So I'm really excited to, to see where they go with it, especially with the twist they're doing in uh, the Mesoamerican background instead of the you know traditional Greek background that Atlantis typically has. I was I was I was a little uh, I wondered you know if that was going to be an issue for fans, but I think I think you know changing subtle details like that while staying true to the character is always it's kind of what MCU does best, and so it sounds like they've they've kind of nailed that again here. Uh, Nate, uh, what are your thoughts on on uh, the character going into the movie? Yeah, I you know I I think it's smart for Marvel uh, to separate from the other Atlantis. Uh, with the DCU and Aquaman, um, I think not necessarily with all the you know obviously there's all that legal drama pertaining to one of the casts of that of those movies, but but even more so just the idea of like again more general audiences, right? Oh, is this the same guy? Why isn't the Rock in the movie? That sort of thing, um, <laughs> right? They're gonna get all their cultures mixed up because they're they're you know. But I, I think the I think the the, the cool thing is, as you said, Darcy, the way that they're sort of switching it, they're calling it Talokan, um, which I, I'm not sure how to necessarily pronounce uh, Talok or t it's like T-L-A-L-O-C, uh, but the, uh, the god of rain I was looking up uh, in Aztec mythology, obviously so fitting for these characters. And it sounds like that's kind of what they're going to do. They're just going to replace... Atlantis. Anytime you think of the word Atlantis, you're just going to think of Talacan. I will say, thankfully, like Talacan, we got Talo. You know, obviously, it, it's going to maybe get a little bit confusing within the MCU on its own. It's nowhere near, you know, like your House of the Dragon, where they're naming like Viserion, Valerion, Balerion, and you're just like, <laughs> how, how, how are we supposed to keep track of all the Aegon and Amon and Blamon? And I'm just like, dude, at, this, at one point, it's like worse than Pokemon. So like. You know, um, I think I think it's it's a smart choice for them to move away 
from the the word Atlantis. Uh, and I also think that, you know, Disney's going to want to reclaim Atlantis when they come out with the live-action uh, Atlantis movie that I definitely <laughs> want to watch. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, if anything, my biggest question from this reveal is geographically uh, related. Uh, in the comics, uh, Atlantis is much closer to Wakanda and it makes sense for the long feuds that happen between the two uh, nations. So with uh, Talokan being a Mesoamerican uh, inspired thing, I'm thinking more Gulf of Mexico area over there. So it just seems like distance might be more of a factor for this feud. And I'm just wondering how it was uh, perpetuated for so long, I guess. (laughs) And I'm wondering if that might be something that is touched upon. Obviously through the trailer, we do get to see a lot of, we're going to kind of get to see a lot of that background explained. And I'm wondering if maybe there's like a great migration that occurs. uh, Mm. And that's going to be part, you know, maybe the the conflict between Wakanda and Talakan has been brewing for for much longer and the, the since the, the founding of the nations basically. right That'd and the, cool. the event that sort of is happening in this movie is just the kind of the thing that explodes you know it's the last final thread that's pulled uh and that's what causes this massive um obviously flooding and everything that we get to see with uh, with the submariner so i'm wondering if maybe that's something that is gonna happen but um, I could be wrong, but I think that would be a great way to explain it as far as moving them from Mexico. Well, uh, you guys uh, have certainly uh, intrigued me now as to how that will work. And so even though this this news story gives us one definitive answer, we've, we've brought up uh, several new questions that we'll just have to wait uh, to get the answer to. But fortunately, we don't have to wait all that long as Black Panther Wakanda Forever is set to release on November 11th, uh, and definitely can't wait for that one. All right, our next story comes from Brianna Bell at Variety. James Earl Jones will be stepping back from voicing Darth Vader and has signed off on using archived recordings to recreate the voice with AI. James Earl Jones, who's voiced Darth Vader for nearly 50 years of Star Wars films, seems to be stepping away from the role. According to Vanity Fair, the 91-year-old actor has signed off on the use of archival voice recordings being used by young filmmakers who plan to utilize artificial intelligence synthetic speech technology to recreate Jones's younger voice from his previous films for future Lucasfilm projects. Uh, in a quote, he had mentioned he was looking into winding down this particular character. Matthew Wood, a Lucasfilm veteran of 32 years, told the outlet. Uh, so we do. So how do we move forward? Uh, was the the challenge posed to Lucasfilm filmmakers. The company's enlisted the assistance of Respeecher, a Ukrainian startup that uses AI technology to craft new conversations from revitalized old voice recordings. Uh, This relationship with Lucasfilm began with the Disney Plus series The Book of Boba Fett, for which they recreated the voice of young Luke Skywalker to what I would call uh, mixed reviews. Uh, the two also teamed for the voice performance of Darth Vader on the series Obi-Wan Kenobi, which debuted on Disney's streamer this summer and uh, received far more positive feedback from from fans. Uh, Bogdan Belayev, uh, the 29-year-old speech artist, was tasked with delivering the new recordings to Lucasfilm, but tragedy struck on February 24th when Russian uh, Russia invaded the country. As air raid sirens powered through the city of Lviv, Bel- uh, uh, Lviv, sorry, uh, Believ hurried to finish the project and send his work back to Skywalker Sound in Northern California. Talk about uh, first world problems and whatnot. Eh? Just, uh, just an <laughs> unbelievable story. Uh, yeah. he, he said, if everything went bad, we would never make these conversations delivered to Skywalker Sound, he says. So what a courageous act uh, to uh, to deliver that for us fans here. For the fandom, the, yeah. Yeah, you Shout know, that's, that that's, 
Unbelievable. Uh, following the debut of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Jones's family informed Wood that they were uh, pleased with the result of the synthesis between the actor's voice and Reese Speecher's technical work. Jones is credited for guiding the performance of Darth Vader in the series, with Wood describing the actor as a benevolent godfather. Uh, and so, guys, uh, obviously, you know, the, the performance in, in Obi-Wan is amazing. It, it added such a rich... Uh, part to the role uh you know it's sad to see james earl jones step down from the role but i think his legacy is in good hands with the technology they have in place yeah it's interesting i mean i think you know this is going to be an uh, an interesting topic of conversation yet again that's continuously brought up within the industry obviously you know we had um you know the younger sort of cgi'd Carrie Fisher in Rogue One. We had Peter Cushing uh, in in Rogue One as well, fully digitally recreated. And I think there was a lot of, you know, I think there were a lot of critics that were looking at that from a standpoint of like, oh, I can't get past the CGI Peter Cushing. Um, but there were also a lot of people as well who are in the industry who kind of found it a little bit scary, right? The kind of idea that your your identity can be owned by this corporation and they can make you do and say things after you're dead. Um, and so, I mean, the fact that James Earl Jones is signing off on it, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's learned enough about the situation to sign off on it saying he, you know, they have my blessing. I trust them. And I think that's the biggest aspect to this is that you need to be very particular of like in writing legalese as best as you can. I know it's all new technology, but as best you can as to say, I trust these people with this. That's it with my voice. Um, so if he, if he signed off on it, I I'm cool with it. Um, I think, you know, again, fantastic that we're supporting a Ukrainian startup um, and incredible what that, what he was able to do to get that, 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 you know, voice work out to for, for the fans. Um, but at the same time, like I do think this is also going to present a lot of sort of worrisome stuff for voice actors in the in the in the animation space and the gaming space of you know how far are we going to go to the point where these people don't have jobs, but then like do they get money every time their voice is is used a certain way, and then what's the payoff for that? Like, will this spawn a new industry? Um, it's all very you know obviously at the beginning phases, but I'm very intrigued to say the least. You bring up great points. I mean, obviously, this is an instance where because Jones and his family have signed off on it, it seems to be done entirely out of respect about, uh, you know, maintaining the legacy of this character. But you're right. It's, it could open up a slippery slope. It does open up a lot of ethical questions. And this is something that has to be handled with the utmost care. Uh, like you said, to protect identities and 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 you know the the rights of people and and to ensure that people who work hard get you know the 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 rewards for their work and that people aren't being taken advantage of and completely eliminated from roles. If this decreases the amount of jobs available to people, you know that's almost a, a turn backwards there. And so yeah, I think it needs to be done. You know 
in the right instances for the right reasons. I think because of Darth Vader's 45-plus year history, this sounds like a character that they want to include in more stories. And because he's so important, it does need to be... It needs He needs to sound right. He needs to sound authentic. And so this is one of those instances where if everyone's working together on the same page, it, it, it can really work. But yeah, it needs to be handled really, really carefully, I think, going forward. I mean, there's not much for me to say. You guys have all spoken so so beautifully about the subject, but yeah, I'm. Don't worry, I'm Darcy. Like we'll re, we'll re-speech your voice into this part of the podcast. We can. Do, I think we've got enough recordings of his voice, Kevin. I think we can do it. Yeah, we'll come up with one last poignant comment <laughs> to, to add there, and and nobody will be any the wiser. Uh, my apologies for any mispronunciations with the names as we were talking about. Mm. Uh, uh, Ukraine and everything like that. Um, I do apologize because it is a really terrific story. That after reading this article, I really want to look into more and see if I can learn a bit more. Because what yeah. a what a what a crazy little uh, uh, story to just sort of you know fill that out. And now our final news story of the day uh, took the world by storm. It shocked Marvel comic book movie fans all over the world. Uh, leave it to Ryan Reynolds to drop just a, a seemingly harmless tweet on a rainy Tuesday afternoon. He's talking about, you know, hey, you know, <laughs> everyone knows a Deadpool movie's coming out in the MCU. Uh, we're really struggling with some ideas. We're just we're just trying to figure out the best way to make a movie for you. So we'll let you know when we've got something. All of a sudden, as he's sitting in a, a, a seemingly harmless, seemingly ordinary living room, all of a sudden, Hugh Jackman walks behind him in the background. Ryan says, hey, you want to be in the movie? And Hugh says, yes. All of a sudden, we get the tag coming hewn. Oh we get gosh. the Deadpool logo with some Wolverine claws through it and O-M-F-G, underline the F, <laughs> because Hugh Jackman is officially in the MCU. So, guys, honestly, uh, I know I was shocked. I mean, I think I even went instantly into our group and was like, uh, this can't be real, right? But you were pretty quick to confirm it for me, Nate. I, I watched it. I watched it all the way through. Didn't realize it was actually Hugh Jackman in the back. I thought I thought they did the thing where like his face was just covered by the top half of the, the screen. So like he, he was just cut off frame. And dude, I thought this was complete clickbait, bull crap. Like I did not think this was real at all. And then Twitter just exploded. Uh, and people have been going off. I am, I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of at a, a little bit of a loss for words, which is not great for a podcast. I'll try, to, <laughs> I'll try to talk about this. But this is a first. Oh my god, dude! I'm just, I'm, uh, <laughs> I am incredibly stoked by this. I think it's really exciting. Um, I do think, though, it, it, it is interesting. It does raise some interesting questions that I'm sure we'll get into. But the idea of like, is this the MCU's Wolverine, right? Is this actually the MCU's Wolverine? Is this his exit, uh, it, both his intro to the MCU and his exit at the same time? Are we going to get another Wolverine? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I after seeing this, I was just so excited. Of course, had to get the aviation gin plug in there at one point. You see, you see Ryan just pouring himself a glass. But it also makes me wonder if, like, they're going to start to incorporate that sort of shtick into the movie. I, I wouldn't put it past Deadpool to have some aviation gin on hand. And then, you know, uh, Wolverine says, I'm more of a coffee man 
or something like that. And he's drinking the Laughing Man coffee brand that Hugh Jackman has. And then at some point in time, there's, they're just tossing out a case into the trash of Terramana tequila and just a dig at The Rock in DC. Like, I, I could totally see them playing around with that. I cannot believe it's it's taken this long to get these two together uh, in, in this fashion uh, as these superheroes. And I'm so, 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 so excited. 2024 looks insane for the MCU. Yeah, uh, I am. I'm beyond words right now. That last little logo tease with the claws coming through has been a tattoo idea I've had for years now. Because two of my favorite characters, I'd say top two for sure for me probably are Deadpool and Wolverine. And like Wolverine is where my love of mutants comes from. So I, I am so excited to see him work with you know Deadpool because that is as a fan of Wolverine is almost crucial to both of their stories is their relationship with each other. So I can't wait to see how that plays out on screen. And in terms of broader picture, I'm wondering if this, if uh, Disney may continue producing mutant movies that aren't part of the main timeline and maybe build towards one of these incursion events we've talked about before. I think we talked about it during Doctor Strange with the, like the world's basically threatening to overlap with each other. And in the comics, that results in a lot of heroes from different universes residing in the main main timeline. So I, I'm wondering if this might be the, like almost a stepping point towards that or if this is going to be just MCU proper. I, I'm really intrigued by that. I also think like, you know, speaking of stepping stones, we've just gotten so much of the word mutant brought into our MCU so quickly. And we haven't necessarily gotten to really see it fleshed out. Um, and I'm wondering if they're kind of waiting for this to kind of be that kickoff completely, um, pushing that forward. But it's just it's just crazy how much mutant has been thrown around uh, in the last little bit. I think this is only further solidifying the fact that they're like, yeah, we got mutants. Uh, and and we got the the one that everyone wants to see. Um, but again, I just I don't know. I'm 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 super excited about this. Obviously, I want to see them together. It's just that Logan was such a phenomenal movie as a way to sort of cap off the story of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. I just I hope that this is still able to you know with it being focused on Deadpool. I don't know. I don't know. I just I don't want it to tarnish anything. I just want it to make it better. Um, and I hope I hope we get that. Uh, I, I think the the key here um, is that I don't think that it is going to be Hugh Jackman's permanent entry into the MCU mm -hmm. as much as it is Disney's chance to have the ultimate Wolverine in one of their movies before giving us whoever they plan to have take over that role. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Glenn Powell, anybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's my newest that's my newest uh, wager here. There you go. Um, but you know, really quickly, not to shift too too quickly off of the idea that freaking Wolverine and and freaking Deadpool are having a freaking movie together. <laughs> but there was also another really interesting little uh, tidbit, if you will, or, or event circulating around this this announcement that that's really piqued my interest. What's with John Krasinski? Uh, tweeting out, wait, is this our movie? Um, right. Uh, you know what does what does that mean? Was that was that a subtle little hint? Was that a miscommunication? I mean, they're not doing anything accidentally here. So what the hell could that mean? Right, and that's that's the part that is so confusing because I I was fairly certain that we had heard that 
He's not going to be in the Fantastic Four. Like, he won't be Reed Richards. We know he's not directing uh, the movie. So so what? what is he talking about? <laughs> like, what is he actually referring to? I honestly don't know unless they're they're teasing that maybe he's also in this movie and I could totally see them having fun with what happened in Multiverse of Madness in a Deadpool way right Deadpool shows up maybe saves him from that fate uh and and brings him into into uh our you know, six one six universe. I I don't know. I'm just that that's a possibility. I I feel like even more so would be or a better opportunity would be Deadpool getting stuck through the multiverse with the events of his last movie being so all over the place with his time travel. Like he broke his universe basically. So what if he's just kind of hopping between, and that's where we get to see more variants or more of the variants we got to see in Multiverse of Madness with him with him ending in six sixteen through whatever help he gets or you know denies along the way but i think that'd be a really cool way to introduce and you know say goodbye to the fox universe you know what i actually i'm sad to dash all of our thoughts uh it could be a reference to a movie that they were working on together called if uh there's a movie that is uh coming out called if uh, that apparently there's some photos of them finishing up their last day on set, uh, sharing a big hug together. So that could have been that he could have been making a joke that way of saying like, "Oh, is this is this if is that what the movie that we're looking at here?" Oh, I don't poor know. Poor form, John. If that's the case, poor form, poor form. <laughs> you know, you yeah, can't, you can't for tease no us reason. when we're all in the middle of this. This, you know, <laughs> we're all having our tripping out, you know, daydreams here. Um. Uh, I guess time will have to tell with the whole Krasinski thing, but I think this is official. I think, you know, we're, oh, yeah. we we knew we were getting another Deadpool movie, but I think it's official, to say the least, that Wolverine, played by Hugh Jackman, will have a role in this movie. And so it's just a waiting game now. We have about two years, uh, just just under two years, so not that long, not as long as we've had to wait for, for some of these things. But I certainly would say that this is one of the biggest MCU announcements of all time, which is kind of crazy when you think about even just what they announced this year at Comic-Con alone. But I think this is just something that fans of all comic book movies have wanted to see, not just MCU. And so that's just another really exciting uh, facet that we get to explore shortly. And I, I want to just quickly shout out, I mean, even just the subtle with him saying, I, I you know, I couldn't keep my, or had, I was hard to keep my mouth sewn shut about this one. Just the subtle dig at, <laughs> at his first portrayal of the character um, was, you know, he's fantastic and Canadian. So, you know what? We're the best. That's, I think it, I think this, this announcement has sealed the deal that, uh, that we're better. We're better than any other country because we got Ryan. Reynolds. And you're welcome world. Yes. You're, you're welcome world. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Uh, well, as if that announcement wasn't it wasn't enough, there was also another huge announcement uh, in the gaming world that uh, we're going to get a chance to talk about uh, in our next segment. So I think it's time to cue up the banjo because it's trailer time. <laughs> Oh, 
All right. Well, our first trailer before we get into our movie and TV side of things is actually from the world of video games, which we don't talk about enough on this program. I'm sure Nate would agree. But yep. uh, this one kind of has a, a <laughs> tinge of TV to it or, or a whole lot of it. Uh, if you will, in that uh, recently EA Sports, EA Games, uh, released a trailer for the upcoming FIFA 23 game, which will have a very, very familiar face, uh, at least if you're a fan of a certain Apple Plus TV show. Uh, Nate, why don't you uh, introduce this one to the folks listening? Yeah, the wonderful folks at EA Sports uh, did a fantastic, <laughs> uh, sort of threw us for a little bit of a loop. I kind of caught this trailer as uh, an ad for another YouTube video, and I'm really happy I did because it was so surprising for me um, to kind of get to see what happens. It's the, the, the trailer sort of starts off as this this look at like Ted Lasso, and I'm like, okay, is this season three? Is this like our first look at season three? What's going on here? And then halfway through the trailer, we get digitized Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis walking onto the field, and not just him, but the entire uh, Richmond FC AFC Richmond uh, team is now going to be playable in the next FIFA game. And I will tell you, Kevin, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to go anywhere near this FIFA game, <laughs> and now I've pre-ordered it on probably two other consoles, and I'm so. That's so amazing. amped. I cannot wait. I want to play as Roy Kent. I want to play as Sam Obasanya. I want to play as freaking football is life, Danny Rojas, my guy. I am <laughs> so excited uh, to play through this. And I'm, yeah, dude, I can't say more about it. I'm so happy that they, they're doing this. Uh, FIFA is a big game in our house. Our two younger brothers are big sports gamers. So whenever they have friends over, they're always throwing on one of the one of the many EA sports uh, titles. But I always liked jumping in for a FIFA game. And I know going forward, I will always be picking AFC Richmond as my team because that it's it's so incredible. And I'm even contemplating starting a manager career just to, so I can play as Ted Lasso. That's I'm so I'm so ready for it. So good. This is a brilliant idea to bring new fans into this this game um this type of game and i will say that that i've always found that you know I'll, i'm gonna football video games are amongst the easiest of sports games to sort of jump into i mean the beautiful game is is at its roots very simple and so it is an easier game to sort of get the hang of and, and learn on a basic level. And so, yeah, I think this is just such a clever sort of collaboration here and will we'll create so many new fans. That I was going to spend more hours in FIFA 23 than uh, Mario Super Strikers this year, <laughs> I would have laughed my you, you laughed you right out of the building, my guy, okay? <laughs> the fact that they're doing this, I'm, oh, dude. I'm so happy about this. I'm just so it's such a lovely, smart way to go about this. And what a great way to get everyone hyped up, ready for the uh, third and I guess final season. Is that was that confirmed for uh, for sadly? Tenlasso? Yes, yeah. sadly. Yes. yes. Okay. And you know what? Even if you're not a fan of uh, sports video games, video games in general, just go check out this trailer if you're a yeah, fan of Ted Lasso, yeah. because you're gonna get you get some clips of of some favorites that you'll you'll never see anywhere else. Uh, it's really fun to see who pops up here. It's really fun to see Ted Lasso do the the traditional EA Sports. It's <laughs> yeah. it's just a really well put together trailer. So go check that out. 
And uh, honestly, you might get uh, sucked right in like Nate and uh, be be finding yourself pre-ordering some copies of a game you did not expect to. So prepare (laughs) yourself for that. Um, But uh, let's move into our next trailer, which is for The Fablemans, a coming-of-age drama film directed and co-produced by Steven Spielberg from a screenplay he co-wrote with Tony Kushner. It's a semi-autobiography loosely based on Spielberg's early life as told through an original story of the fictional Sammy Fableman, a young aspiring filmmaker. The film stars Gabrielle LaBelle, Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, Seth Rogen, and Judd Hirsch. That cast is just awesome, and they look terrific in this. The film had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival, Go Tiff, on September 10th, where it won the People's Choice Award. The film is scheduled for a limited release in the U.S. on November 11th, before expanding to a wide release on November 23rd. Uh, so what did we think about this one? I think this this looks like the quintessential Steven Spielberg film. Oh my gosh. It's it's like if somebody was like, hey, you know Steven Spielberg? Make a movie that is Steven Spielberg. <laughs> That's what this looks like, dude. And it's sitting at a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Obviously, it hasn't hit like its wider releases or whatever. Um, but dude, 96% for, for TIFF critics I think is phenomenal it, it looks like it's definitely gonna make me cry um you know seeing seth rogan waving all goofy like in the back of the car to the camera it that hit for me like that gave me little tingles on the arm and i just sort of was like you know because i think a lot of kids growing up in the 90s have that memory of grabbing the camcorder and filming you know your family's vacation or just dumb stupid little family moments and those are the moments that stay with you and clearly those moments have stayed with Steven Spielberg and that's a huge part to this movie is like just the idea of of making movies of your family uh and I can't wait to see it because it it kind of looks like they're going to show the beauty of that as well as the sort of dark side of what happens when when you know you start bringing in the opinions of all these other people especially as you grow up um and i'm really i'm honestly i'm so intrigued for this i think it's going to get oscars all over the all over the place dude yeah i mean this one just seems like it's going to be a beautiful love letter to the the art form that is filmmaking like you said Nate just both the the joys and remembrances and 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 memories you have growing up watching movies and making movies as well as the dark sides that can come with most forms of art. So I think it's going to be a really cool exploration of film as a whole and just a heartwarming story through and through. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And, it. and it's just such a brilliant way to kind of make a movie about Spielberg's life. There was a ter- terrific documentary that came out in 2017 on HBO called Spielberg. Uh, go and check that out if you haven't seen it. It's just an awesome retrospective on his life his career and you can see so much of his early days as a kid a brilliant brilliant young amateur filmmaker in the character of Sammy Fableman here uh just with with the way he's he's getting these ideas to to film the train coming at the camera uh, a young Steven Spielberg made some just unbelievably cool movies as a kid that that had war scenes and special effects that were well beyond the the scope that a, a young kid with a camera should have been able to do and so i think this is a really fun way of making a a sort of uh fictional version of this story because we already have such a great authentic autobiography of his life this is a neat way to tell this story but with the magic of movies uh i just think it's such a a cool way to do this yeah like again i think there's something so um 
something so relatable about the idea of following your dreams, even when so many people, especially the people closest to you, are telling you not to or it's not realistic. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, that I even have in my own life. Um, thankfully, my parents will literally stand on a, a fire for anything I do. But, but, but I, you know, I definitely have some family members who don't really understand or see kind of the endeavors that I'm, I'm sort of trying to take. And I completely connect with that. And I, I think this movie kind of showing that off on this grand scale and it looks, it looks like a Spielberg movie so much, um, which is fantastic. Just the way it's shot and the way it looks so beautifully well done and lit and everything. Um, I will say like, I'm a huge fan of Paul Dano. I'm a huge fan of Michelle Williams. And I think um, Michelle from this trailer alone, I think she's going to be up for 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 best supporting, um, and I, I think this movie looks like it centers around her just as it does Sammy. Like I think it's they're they're on equal footing with this movie, and I'm 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 more excited because of the fact that it is focused on the whole family uh, and not just Sammy himself. And that that just makes so much sense when you you've seen the the documentary and how important Steven's relationship with his mother was, especially mm-hmm. in supporting him and, and just in growing up. And so, yeah, I think this captures so much, so many elements of that, that I think even though, again, it's not entirely based on a true story, it's going to ring so true and so honest. And yeah, I think this is the, the, the runaway leader at this point for, for Oscar buzz. Uh, we're very, very early in the season, but I think this one, this one's a shoe in for plenty of nominations. The one thing I will say though is seeing Paul Dano or Dano in the uh, the glasses early on, I got Riddler vibes, and I'm <laughs> kind of glad that out. this trailer quickly moved past that. Yeah. And he's, a, he's just your typical family man, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing him explore that character along with <laughs> Michelle Williams. So, yeah, just the vibes were very short, but they were there at the beginning. The man can wear a sweater, Darcy. The man can wear <laughs> a sweater. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I think we're all very excited for this one, and I know. Based on how much he loved old, Nate is very excited for our next trailer, which is for (laughs) Knock at the Cabin, which is an apocalyptic psychological horror film directed by the M. Night Shyamalan, who wrote the screenplay from an initial draft by Steve Desmond and Michael Sherman. It's based on the 2018 novel The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul G. Tremblay. The film stars Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Nikki Amuka-Bird, Kristen Quee, Abby Quinn, and Rupert Grint. The premise of the film centers on a family of three who, while vacationing at a remote cabin, are taken hostage by four strangers who demand they make the ultimate sacrifice to avert the apocalypse. Twists will surely abound when the film is released on February 3rd, 2023. Now, I know I know a lot of people are quick to knock anything that Shyamalan does these days, but I think the fact that, although I was going to say the fact that it's based on an existing work might save this, but mm. that was also the case for Old, and that didn't yeah. seem to help that one. But <laughs> yeah. it was, he did seem to have help in writing the script, so maybe people were able to kind of keep him focused here a little bit more. I don't know. This one looks interesting. If you didn't tell me this was by Shyamalan, I would have been very, very intrigued. And so now I don't know how I feel about it. I'd love to know what you guys think. It's definitely a different look for for a Shyamalan movie, I think. Um, you're right. Like, again, not knowing that his, he would he was attached, maybe I, I would, you know, I wouldn't um, get that from this trailer. But I think... Yeah, dude. Like I've talked about old a ton of times on this podcast, <laughs> and it's just so. It's honestly one of the funniest movies 
that I've ever seen that's not a comedy in any way, shape, or form. It's it's laughably <laughs> bad the entire time. And if you want a really good laugh, I know you guys don't like scary stuff. You won't be scared. You'll be just laughing out of how dumb that movie is. Um, so yeah, the I fact that Shyamalan are you kidding when they stab the guy with the rusty thing and he instantly dies? No, dude, of the rust poisoning. That's dude, brilliant. The Come moment on. they introduced the character of uh, of mid sized sedan, I was like, I'm checking out. I, I don't need to watch <laughs> this movie anymore. Um, but this trailer, um, you know what? It looks freaky. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we've got Dave Bautista uh, coming in. I think that is a huge name for a lot of folks that are going to be like, oh, Dave Bautista's in it. Okay, I'm going to go see it. Um, unlike old, where I think the cast was relatively unknown, I think the fact that you've got him, you've got Rupert Grint joining Shyamalan fresh off of uh, Apple TV's Servant, um, which this has very similar vibes to. Uh, it looks freaky. I mean, the you know, the storyline, I think it, it looks like it's going to be the four strangers are there to prevent the apocalypse, um, and they they need, I think they need the the couple with the daughter to choose who they kill. I think is going to be the idea. Like one of the four people have to die, and those they need to make the decision to prevent the end of the world. Um, and I think the idea behind it is it's going to kind of talk about you know what your your commitment to belief is going to kind of be what this is the big theme of the movie. Uh, and I think a lot of these these four people who are coming in and just being like, we're totally committed to doing this. I don't think they're all totally committed to doing this. And I think they're going to start to manipulate this very sweet couple who are just there with their little daughter wanting to have a wonderful getaway. Um, and I think that's where we're going to start to, to see it. But um, I don't know. It, it looks good. Again, it's shot on 35 millimeter. Um, apparently, there were lenses from the 1990s uh, used to give it more of a 90s thriller look, uh, which you can definitely see just like with the brown tones and, and sort of darker tones of the film. But yeah, man, I'm I'm very intrigued, but I'm going to set my expectations at like all the way back here <laughs> because Shyamalan's involved and I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely intrigued, if only for uh, Dave Bautista's performance that we got in this trailer. He's It uh, seems like a very big departure from a lot of his roles that we've seen in the past, and mm -hmm. even from his WWE persona as the animal. This guy seems very unsure of himself and is at a very fragile mind. So I, I am very intrigued, if only to see where that character goes. So I guess I am going to check this one out, despite the uh, the trepidation that usually comes with Shyamalan, uh, Shyamalan films. So <laughs> we'll see. Kevin, if you could just promise me, though, that you're going to teach your daughter that if she's sitting in a forest alone and a tatted up Dave Batista starts walking towards her, that she's going <laughs> to run into the run! house. Like, why are you <laughs> sitting there? Don't just... I get it. I get that that's how they introduced the character, and it was very intriguing to see and her having that little conversation with him. But no, she better be running away from that big Dave Batista guy. <laughs> no kidding. But I, I do agree that Dave Batista in this movie is definitely one of the more intriguing aspects. And, and you mentioned that uh, Rupert Grint was in um, Servant on Apple mm -hmm. TV. I'm not sure how many people would have seen that uh, that show. I know I certainly didn't check it out. And so this seems like a very a big departure from what I know Rupert Grint from. Yep. And so that also sort of has me intrigued. He doesn't have much to do in the trailer, but mm -hmm. I imagine uh, that was because they were they were focused more on on uh, Batista and and the young girl. But uh, no, this one, this for the first time in a while has me intrigued to say the least about a, a Shyamalan project. So maybe maybe this is the one that that gets him back into uh, 
the good graces. Now, I speaking so. of scary movies that I hope Darcy's willing to check out, our final trailer is the perfect way to celebrate The Last of Us Day, which is formerly known as Outbreak Day, which is commemorated by Naughty Dog each year to celebrate The Last of Us. It occurs each year on September 26th, which is the day the outbreak reached critical mass in the game's narrative. The show will be a post-apocalyptic drama series set to air on HBO. Based on the 2013 game of the same name, the series will follow Joel, a smuggler tasked with escorting the teenaged Ellie across a post-apocalyptic United States. The show will feature Pedro Pascal, Bella Ramsey, Gabriel Luna, Merle Dadridge, Anna Torv, and Nick Offerman. The series is said to be the largest production in Canadian history after filming in Alberta from July 2021 to June 2022. The first season will consist of 10 episodes written by Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann, the latter of whom wrote and directed the game. The show debuts sometime in 2023. I was kind of hoping we might get a more concrete answer on that, but it does not appear that we will get uh, that yet. But holy shit. As somebody who played the game, uh, it was very out of character for me, but I'd heard just too many things that I had to check it out. Uh, As somebody who's blown away by the game, I am more than pleased with, with this first look here. It just looks unbelievable. Yeah, dude, I... I have a lot to say. <laughs> I have a lot to say. So I apologize. Uh, Darcy, do you want to talk first just because I got so much? You know, Yeah, actually, I will for once. Uh, <laughs> normally, I like going after you, but I think, again, I'll have a very different take on this because I was not the biggest fan of the games. I never actually finished the first one, or and I have never picked up the second one. And it was, a lot of it was because at the time that the first game came out originally, not one of the many re-releases it's got since then, uh, I was playing another game that was very similar uh, in aesthetic and style, po- both a post-apocalyptic and sneaking around game. And I think I like that one a bit more, whereas the gameplay of the first game never really drew me into it. So I am really excited to experience the story for the first time. I, and with these actors attached to it, I'm very, uh, very excited to see how they bring these characters to life. And I'm hoping that maybe with this TV series, I'll fall in love with the world of The Last of Us like so many people have already. And I think that's kind of, I think that's another exciting layer for for a lot of Last of Us fans is that we kind of now get to sort of say, hey, movie lovers, hey, TV lovers, you know, the guy that did Chernobyl, um, which if you've not watched Chernobyl, oh my gosh, it's absolutely phenomenal. It's very sad and depressing and tar- hard to watch at times, but I will tell you, um, Craig Mazin is stellar with that show, and this show it's such a perfect pairing, such a perfect fit. I love seeing his name come up in this teaser trailer. I loved seeing Neil Druckmann's name come up in this teaser trailer. I think the fact that we get Neil Druckmann in front of TV audiences to say, who is that guy? Um, who's, you know, he's done so much as director of both the games. I think it's fantastic how, how much they're working on this together and how much they're collaborating. As soon as we see the buildings collapse together in rain, my whole body was just vibrating. (laughs) I was like, this is phenomenal. So much of this trailer looks like it was pulled straight from the game. The sequence where the plane crashes and you see that explosion and all the people are running away from it, that is literally a a moment from uh, the first 20 minutes of the game where there's explosions going off and it's just, we see Joel holding Sarah and running and I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm, I I, I, I can't, I can't handle it. Um, <laughs> Pedro Pascal looks perfect as Joel. 
Bella Ramsey looks perfect as Ellie. Uh, and it looks like we're going to get to see some stuff that we didn't get in the game. Um, we see Bill discovering Joel in, like, Joel in a hole, um, which is just a <laughs> meme that's going around the internet already. Um, but we get to see him. I, I'm assuming he's in one of Bill's traps at that point. But that's not how he meets Bill in the game. Um, I think we're going to... There's a, a, a flashback that we see where two characters are holding hands. And I think... Um, you know, I think that might be Bill and his partner in a flashback, which, you know, his partner wasn't in the game. Um, and so I'm excited to see Nick Offerman uh, kind of again in another serious role. He's so phenomenal when he plays these serious roles. And I'm so excited. Um, there's a speech going through the trailer. I think that is either Merle Dandridge, who plays Marlene, um, or it's Anna Torv, who plays Tess. Um I was going to say, Darcy, you've never played the game? Okay. No, no, I played maybe, like I think I got eight hours in story. Okay. I was just like, you know what? I like this other game too much. I'm going to play that. There's a moment. There's a moment. I, I won't say anything. They're just, let's just say it could be Tess. <laughs> it could be Tess. Um, the Left Behind DLC with Riley. Uh, we see Riley played by Storm Reed in this trailer. Uh, and we it looks like they're giving us the carousel moment from there. Dude, I just, I can't say enough uh, phenomenal things about this trailer. The Clickers... Kevin, the clickers look oh, phenomenal. We only get, we only like, we. I've been waiting to see what they were gonna look like. Uh, we only get. I had to freeze frame in the trailer to really get a good look. But holy cow, it's spot on. Um, they are gonna be so terrifying. The sound just at the beginning oh. of the trailer. Oh man, like I was terrified playing that game in the <laughs> middle of the afternoon. You know, lights on. Yeah. You know, yeah. And so this show, I think. Those scenes are going to be just terrifying. The The whole fact that, you know, it's about the humanity as monsters is sort of the theme of the game. That won't scare me as much as, as unsettling as that is. It's going to be the clickers that get yeah. me, and, and it looks like they've absolutely nailed them. Yeah, man. And I, I will say, like, there's been some discourse online. I mean, when is there not discourse online? But there's been some discourse online about, like, well, do we need the same story that's now been remastered twice and we've played a bunch of times? I think, you know what? I think that's the beauty of having Druckmann involved is that Druckmann is going to say, well, listen, we did that in the game. Now we're going to show you some other moments from different perspectives. We're going to see more Bill. We're going to see maybe a little bit from these other characters, or maybe we get to learn a little bit more about Tess and where, you know, where she sort of came from. Maybe we get to see the moment where, where, you know, Marlene uh, meets Ellie for the first time, right? Like, I think it's going it, to, there's going to be, I, I trust Druckmann and, and Craig Mazin enough to the point where I think they are going to want to satisfy both brand new fans and fans of the games to give just enough difference in the storyline um, to make us keep us guessing. Um, and I, I will say, I think that's something that I'm, I'm just super stoked about. I think, I think like the Witcher on Netflix or what's happening with cyberpunk and the edge runners series on Netflix, the anime, I think this is going to absolutely spike those numbers of last of us part one and part two and everyone's like why did we need a part one why did we? this is why we needed a part one okay because people are going to watch this they're going to head out to their walmarts their game stops they're going to pick this game up um i guarantee it uh and it makes me just want to play the game right now i just want to i want to i'm going to leave twig right now bye guys i'm going to go play last of us uh <laughs> right now on the playstation 5 i'm so did i just call the playstation 5 that was weird go ahead kevin it's, no, it's you're, you're forgiven um no i haven't i haven't picked up 
number two yet and yeah just the <gasps> excitement that this trailer gave me it's it's like ooh, maybe it's maybe it's almost time to it's do time. that um and i will say of the three video game adaptation shows that you mentioned there this is the one i think that's good i think this show's going to be a massive hit i think this is going to reach to a lot of people who never played the games aren't big video game fans uh, and, you know, you mentioned some of the discourse online. I know a lot of it now is centered around Bella Ramsey playing Ellie. And, oh, she doesn't look like her. She doesn't. And it's like, have you seen an episode of Game of Thrones with, with her? She is so, so badass good. and awesome in that show. She's going to nail this role. And it might not be a dead ringer for the character from the show, but I don't think that's going to matter. Plus, it looks like Pedro Pascal has just embodied Joel to a T. So you're going to get the satisfaction of that from there, and I think we're going to get a bit of a different take with with Bella as as Ellie here. I just I think they've absolutely nailed it. Yeah, and Troy Baker, you know, we got a chance to see Troy Baker uh, a couple times live at Fan Expo, and he signed off on it. You know, like he he literally recanted his time on set, which which um, is dope that both him as well as Ashley Johnson um, are both going to be in the series, which again, as new characters. And and I think, again, there's going to be some some new stuff there as you know, for fans as well. Um, but he talks about his first moments of ever seeing Bella Ramsey as Ellie. And he was just at a loss for words. He, he's, he's like, that's Ellie in real life. Uh, and I think that is phenomenal. So if you if listen, that's if you got the praise. real Joel signing off on this, yeah, that's relax. all I need to hear. You that's know? all I need to yeah. hear. Awesome. Well, again, the show debuts in 2023. Cannot wait for that. But that will wrap up trailer time for this week. Uh, why don't we move into Whatcha really quickly here? So this is where we like to uh, talk about what you've been up to, what you've been watching. Uh, what you've been playing, what you've been reading, something like that. Uh, who wants to start us off? Let us know uh, something that you've been enjoying that people should check out. Darce, why don't you uh, head us up here? Well, <clears throat> I've been going through a big reading craze again recently. Uh, I've been a big fan of a, a literary RPG series called Awaken Online. So I've been catching up with the, the newest release for that, a side quest book called Happy. Uh, just the world of literary RPGs is a really cool kind of crossover to, uh, between game fans and and re- uh, fans of books and stuff like that because they're literally adventures set in a, a, the futuristic world where VR technology has has jumped leaps and bounds where it can almost feel just like the real world and they take you on these wild you know RPG quest lines that also somehow impact their real lives so it's a very unique genre that uh definitely is inspired by uh anime uh like sword art online and stuff like that so that's that's what i've been reading lately personally and i think it's uh really good again awaken online by travis bagwell so sounds very sounds very um like ready player one is that's that what kind I was of idea say, yeah yeah yes yes but very much inspired by again sword art online was a, is a huge anime that focuses on this vr game and how it has real world consequences and then this is kind of just the american version of the, that style of uh, story that is very huge in japan interesting cool cool very i'll check cool. it out when it becomes a movie i'm very excited for that thank you Darcy. <laughs> it's also an audiobook it's a great oh, okay. audiobook on audible and stuff so that's you can check it out maybe there i'll too. check it out there cool um, I've been uh, I've been diving into well I I fully watched every episode of uh, the Bear um, the Bear if you've not watched the Bear Kevin what's wrong with dude you? you just you just stole mine is that That's yours let's talk, talk about, about it yeah. dude I, okay you I just know to, I checked it out. I just have to say like the gift that keeps on giving is Disney st- uh, is star in Canada 
FX and the fact I don't know what Mickey Mouse magic had to happen to bring FX on onto Disney Plus. I am so happy because after watching Dave and you know Reservation Dogs um, and now the Bear dude, the Bear dude, Christopher Storer uh, is the creator of the series. Jeremy Allen White, uh, even Mosk Backrack, who plays Cousin Richie, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and uh, Ayo Adibriri is just incredible and again these are actors that i personally haven't really seen in anything else i'm stoked that eben moss backrack is going to be in uh rogue one uh which is really cool and we we got to see him in a trailer um i hope i hope he's a big character i hope he or at least has a few lines here and there but um dude i'm telling you man this show is so chaotic and the way that it's done i can't believe for a second that there's actually a, a full script that they follow. Like a lot of this has to be improv. I don't understand. Episode seven, they do a one shot for the oh, entire oh, it's episode. So good. It's unreal. It's it's and it's one of those things, Kevin, that I never I've never worked in a kitchen. I've never understood that chaotic you know sort of aspect to it. Did they capture it in this series? I mean, that's that's what I was going to focus on when talking about the show. It, you know, having about four years of, of kitchen experience, it is the most accurate portrayal of that lifestyle I've ever seen. Um, when I was working in a kitchen, we used to call them chit dreams. And so a chit is when you get an order that comes up through the printer and it's... And during a dinner rush, that will be so intense that you will have just... All of a sudden, all your servers will fire off an order at once and you'll get 10 at once and then the printer's just and it's and it gets so ingrained in the, in you that you have dreams where that sound and you wake up in a cold sweat oh and so gosh. that's just how intense the the kitchen environment can be and so this show just nails it so well it is so accurate and like it's all the little details that i love like you'll see characters drinking out of these big clear plastic containers and mm. those are what you use to 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 keep ingredients and everything in but when you're on the line that is 100% what you use as a drinking cup during the <laughs> shift and so just to see these characters using them like the little details that they have are so spot on i loved that aspect and then uh you mentioned Jeremy Allen White just really quickly uh he plays a character named Lip on uh Shameless okay and he was my absolute favorite character on that show and so to see him here I was that instantly got me sold on the premise for the show as it was um and he's just so great here he's such a nice balance to uh the character of Richie played by Moss that you were you're mentioning um uh I just I love their relationship and then really quickly uh, the show, he's not in a very big role, but uh, his name's Matty Matheson, uh, and he's a Canadian chef. Uh, he's been on Food Network and a lot of shows and everything like that, and I've never really liked his personality in those programs. But on this show, he's so sweet. Um, I really want to see the, the character of Neil, who's sort of the, the, the handyman for the restaurant. I'd love yes. to see him more if we get a season two. Um, yeah, I just, all the... All the, the secondary characters in this are so sweet. And there's the first episode is just so jarring and so like, oh, my God, well, that was an intense half an hour. Holy cow. I don't know if I could really handle this. But there's so much heart that goes into these characters as the show goes on. And you're just rooting for them all to succeed. Uh, it's it's wonderful. I, I love that show. Dude, John Bernthal is is in the show briefly. And he's he's so stellar in, in so many things that he does. But, Kevin, if you were to tell me that, like, 
he he wasn't even like close and he's phenomenal don't get me wrong but if you were to tell me that he wasn't even close to the top performance in this show i think honestly i think just the entire cast is just so stellar and it's interesting too because like at first i'm watching these characters and a lot of them i'm kind of like wow i don't know if i if i like that that person the way they're talking to each other is so so mean they're so mean and my little sensitive soul had to sort of come around to the idea of like no 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 no. that's how they endear each other that's that's how they they get closer is the the almost the meaner they are towards each other and sometimes they go too far and they recognize that they've gone too far and they pull it back and they 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 they, they you know they pull up their pants and fix it but at the same time i'm telling you man they the the some of the things these characters say to each other i was just like wow like they they're it's it's crazy and it's just i'm i've never seen any show like it um and i don't know if i will again it's until uh, again season two and i i'm i'm pretty sure they're gonna be doing a season two um but i'm so excited it's it's such a good show and i it's one of those shows that like i could probably just rewatch it from the beginning beginning to end again uh over again yeah man the bear I, I ended up actually watching episode seven again right away because it was so quick. It was so amazing. It's maybe, and I've seen a lot in the last few years. Uh, it's the best one-shot episode of a TV show I've ever seen. It's so good. Um, and yeah, uh, just to sort of close off on what you're saying about, you know, uh, talking to each other that way, that's absolutely kitchen life. And I think it's because the job is so stressful and you work so hard and your goal is to put out the best dish possible every single time. And so with all that stress, with all the, the pressure, you can't take it out on the food. So you almost have to take it out on each other. But at the end of the day, you know, it was, you would go for a beer, you would celebrate having gotten through another busy dinner shift. And it was just, you know, it's, it's, it's all camaraderie at the end of the day. Uh, but yeah, it can get, I had my feelings hurt more than a few times working on a kitchen line. Let me tell you. Yeah. But what do they call it? You're on, you're on, uh, is it dinner? No. What is it? You're on kitchen. No. When they like all celebrate and have dinner together at the end. On uh, family. Yeah. You're on family. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love, love that sentiment. And I, I hope that that's at every single kitchen in the world is that's a thing. I hope that's a standard thing. <laughs> Yeah, certainly at the the nicer restaurant that I worked at, um, yeah. that was how we would try new dishes that the chef was going out. And so rather than him just showing us and mm-hmm. saying, this is uh, a fish prepared a certain way with this, you would all get to try it and hang out before a busy shift. That's and yeah, that was sort of your, your family time uh, before you braced for war because every night is is a different kind of battle. It's, it's intense. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because I certainly was going to. So I will quickly mention that another show that I watched because of Disney Plus, um, was Mike. Uh, and so it's the uh, audio, autobiographical uh, show uh, on uh, Mike Tyson. And uh, I just want to really quickly shout out that uh, the two actors that they have playing Mike Tyson at various stages of his life are just so phenomenal. Um, and I mean, I don't know how much people know about Mike Tyson's story, especially if you're not into boxing. He was really prominent in the late 80s, early 90s, so that is a while ago. But uh, Trevante Rhodes and um, BJ Minor just bring so much life to this character that even though Mike Tyson did some pretty bad things in his life, you kind of understand based on where he come f- came from 
and the things that he endured all throughout his life, why those decisions were made. And so while you never forgive him for those things, you understand and you feel bad that his life led him to some of the decisions he made. Um, and, and not to mention, he was one of the greatest athletes of all time. And so it's a shame that, you know, in, in, for a lot of people, he's just a joke. He's the guy with the funny tattoo on his face who has a lisp that was in The Hangover. And, right. you know, for other people, he's, he's not the greatest boxer of all time. He's the guy who bit Evander Holyfield's ear. And so while all of those things are touched on in the show, you really get a really intimate look at his life behind the bright lights of a boxing ring. And, and so, yeah, again, this is a show that just, it, you know, it's another Hulu show that thank you, Disney plus you're amazing. Uh, it's, it's the best subscription channel going yeah. these days. Bar none. Disney is just killing it with that channel. Uh, well, that is it for this week in Geek. Thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. I'm not sure if I repeated that. Sorry if I did. Uh, and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this week's news, you can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's a bit too much like the original Avatar and you're all about the way of water, hit us up on Twitter at GeekcentricYT and on Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric. As always, we have plenty of awesome content to check out. We also have two watch clubs on the go. That's right, not one, but two. Uh, last week, we started our watch club for Disney Plus's Andor, covering the first three episodes. And uh, if you haven't watched those yet but want to get a little pumped for it, we also have our spoiler-free preview of those episodes to check out. And then we are also right in the middle of our watch club for Disney Plus's She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Uh, plus, just like the show you just listened to, we have our weekly This Week in Geek show where we look at all the latest news and trailers from the Geekiverse. And there's, you know what, there's just a ton of other awesome stuff for you to check out. So go find Geekcentric, listen to some of our older stuff. You will not be disappointed. Thank you so much for joining us. And as we say, I see you and I love you. And I'm going to stick <laughs> my hair braid up your ass. Go ahead. Laters. Oh boy. After that, get home safe, guys. Peace. Peace.